welcome to episode 193 of Milwaukee's Tailgate Brewers podcast, part of the MKE Tailgate Podcast Network. I'm James, joined as usual by Ryan and his old friend Steve Garshinsky joining us again. How are you guys doing? Ready to talk some bucks. Yeah. <laughs> right? It's, it's, yeah, it's it's a good thing the Brewers, uh, for the Brewers, that everybody was focused on the bucks in the last week, right? So... I think what's amazing about the Bucks is that they won the series, and I think everybody can still be pissed off about how it happened, <laughs> like the way they played. Uh, yeah, which it is was... like perfect podcast fodder. So there you go, there you go. Yeah. get a, get a Bucks podcast going. Yeah, we'll we'll start that one up next week. Yeah, there are there are many many of them apparently because I've seen people listing like, oh, I'm gonna just gonna listen to this podcast and this podcast and this podcast. Like they're gonna spend their entire Monday just consuming all of the bucks content i still can't believe it happened can you like i was convinced they were going to lose that game oh yeah oh yeah it was it was so dumb at the end the bucks made so many mistakes at the end like i was like they're going to lose this because they're being idiots it's a good thing kevin durant played eight million minutes in the in the series and finally ran out of gas in the last 10 seconds. So yes, there you I go. enjoyed your tweet, James, which I didn't see till this morning about the, the, the minutes thing for Giannis finally paid off. Like, it actually worked. It, it, which, it all worked out. Yeah, I think so. you can make an argument that it really did work out. Yeah, and now we're ready for the heart-crushing disappointment of somehow losing to the Hawks in the Eastern Conference Finals. Or the oh, Sixers is, or is it going to be the Hawks? I guess I, they're I playing right the now, Hawks. aren't they? They're playing right now. Y'all, y'all know by the time you listen to this, but... I'm pulling for the Hawks because I can't stand the Sixers. So there you go. Plus, it feels like Trey Young would just go off against the Bucs. But I digress. This is a Brewers podcast. So we'll get to that in a minute, uh, even though if we don't particularly want to talk about how the Brewers played in last week. But, you know, we we, we signed up to do this, so we're going to do it. Uh, in the meantime, there's a reminder you can help support the podcast. You can become a patron at patreon.com slash tailgate. Two bucks a month gets you question priority here on the podcast. And we got plenty this week with the Brewer struggles. Uh, five bucks a month gets you the minor league extra podcast with Ryan and James Anderson. You also get some reporting as eligible mini pods from Paul through the Packers offseason as well. Uh, so as we mentioned, kind of a rough week for the Brewers. Oh, I'm just uh, the two game win streak. Yeah. There you go. We're two games. It's a win streak. We're we're starting the week on a good note, right? This has happened actually a few times this year where they've had a bad week and then they managed to like pull out like a Saturday Sunday combination yep. of wins and then it just doesn't feel quite so bad when we record. <laughs> there you go. We're we're not quite as pissy as we normally would be, I suppose. But uh, you know this this team's looking a little streaky now. They had one fifteen of seventeen and then they lost a got swept at home by the Reds. And then uh, struggled the first couple of games against the Rockies, who are apparently a super team at Coors Field and terrible, beyond terrible on the road. So, uh, but yeah, as you guys mentioned, they rebounded. They they won Saturday night and they almost blew it on Sunday. They tried really hard to blow a six-run lead and they still came away with the win. So, uh, yeah, I, I guess... Ryan, impressions on the last week, anything to worry about, or is this just kind of like a bump in the road? I mean, they're in this stretch of a ton of games in a row. Is sort of be expected? I mean, they weren't really getting their butts kicked through this. Uh, two of those three Reds roll losses were by one run. That's and true. And the 10-2 the to game was kind of one of those where they pulled the plug on it early and didn't yep. really put a lot into it. They knew they were losing that game and didn't really – Put much into it so that was kind of a gimme up game and then the Woodruff game on Thursday when everybody was watching the Bucks instead 
that one was, <laughs> you know, you give up five runs in the first thing. You know, that, that also just sort of became a, a, a give up game, even though he did stabilize somewhat and handle it. So, yeah, it again, this is the ups and downs of a baseball season. You're going to have it. You would like to beat the crap out of a team as bad as the Rockies, but you're not always going to do that. And they did just sweep four from the the uh, Diamondbacks, who are their next opponent now coming up on the road. So we'll see how that goes. But I don't think anybody can be, barring some sort of complete collapse over the next week, I don't think anybody can be unhappy with how they've played in general in June during the soft part of their schedule. They've handled it pretty well. Yeah, I don't think this will happen very often. Um, when it happened early May, I think they had a losing streak, you know, when you didn't get good starts out of Peralta and Woodruff. And I think, was that when Burns was on the COVID list? It was. It was. Yeah. So, and, I, you know, similarly, I, too, a lot of offensive pieces kind of missing in that stretch, too, just like they are now. So, yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's going to happen occasionally. You know, if you hit if you hit those bumps at the wrong point in the rotation, when it's those stoppers, you expect to get, you know, some of those wins for you. Yeah. That's when you're going to get a losing streak like this. So I would hope it's not going to happen too often, but you know, you just kind of deal with it as it comes. Yeah. I mean, in the middle of this losing streak was, you know, Peralta, they lost by a run. Woodruff, they lost seven to three burns. They lost by what a run. Yeah. Two, one losses, Mm -hmm. you know, in there like, and one was an extra innings. I mean, they were there. It wouldn't have taken much to turn this around, at least to look halfway decent for the week. No, and you're not going to win all the close games. They do win the close games more than they lose them by quite a bit, and that's because they're well-managed and they have an excellent bullpen, at the back end at least. And so they're going to win the close games. They're they're good about doing that, but you're not going to win them all. You can't, and so sometimes those are going to come bunched up in a streak like they did this week. But Yeah, that, that middle part of the bullpen has gotten shaky. It yeah, has. I think we have a question about that. We do have some questions about that. And we also kind of have a question about uh, the past week and, and maybe how it uh, maybe it might affect your your thoughts on the grand scheme of things. So first Patreon question comes from PJ Wessels. Uh, he had a two parter. Uh, I'm going to skip to the second part for the sake of this conversation. He asked, does a week like this for the NL Central give you hope or concern considering the Brewers had a five-game losing streak, and as of today, they're still tied for first place. So, Ryan, is that hopeful or concerning that maybe they didn't take advantage of that? Oh, no, no, no. That's just purely hopeful because the the Cubs have actually been playing relatively well, too, over you know the long uh, span here, and the Cardinals have not particularly been playing very well. They've been losing quite a bit, and did you guys catch that there was some uh, some angst in St. Louis with Mike Schilt? They're uh, apparently getting a little tired of his act down there. Hmm. The the players or the fans? Uh, the fans and media, specifically the media, is really kind of going after him now. Hmm. Bernie Miklos and some of the other uh, columnists, not Der- not Derek Gould, but like some of the other columnists down there were really giving it to him for some of the things that he was saying. Okay, well, that's fun. I'll have to start reading the paper down there a little bit more often. <laughs> <laughs> well, they do put it on Twitter, so like you could you could see some of that stuff there. I didn't I didn't mean I would physically have the paper delivered. <laughs> Let <laughs> me subscribe. Yeah. Support local journalism, everybody. Subscribe to the St. Louis Post Dispatch just to hear the complaining about the Cardinals. Uh, well worth the ten dollars a month, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> Steve, I guess same question. Are, 
the fact that they had a five game losing streak and they're still kind of where they are hopeful or concerning. I mean, the, the NL Central, so it's competitive and not great. So every team's going to go through streaks like this. And I would imagine, you know, th- there's going to be some jockeying for position, but nobody's going to start running away with it. So, you know, if if somebody starts to get out of hand, if it looks like the Brewers are going to pull away in June, obviously this is the kind of thing that'll slap them back into reality because um, it's going to go back and forth all season. I would imagine the Cardinals are going to get their act together at some point, and we saw that even the Reds can give you a hard time in a week. So um, I think it's just going to continue to be like this. You know, so I mean, hopeful because I don't feel like they're going to like fall out of it because they had a, a a losing streak like this. But like I said, I think let's all you know, just get ready because I think September is when it's really going to be crunch time. There, there's no resting for a month. Yeah, I mean, we're not anywhere near the point in the schedule where you need to worry about taking advantage of other teams' losses. It's way yeah. too early to start really looking at that stuff. You can't, because they're going to do what they're going to do. You you can't, you, even in down the, the stretch of the season, you can't even get that wrapped up in it because the other team's going to do what they're going to do. You can hope, but you can't count on things like that. So, right. And I, I don't think, yeah, none of us have any idea how the second half of the season is going to play out. Right. Once pitchers start hitting those, you know, innings limits and, and stuff like that. I mean, like we, we've already seen a ton of injuries, but fatigue has not really been a factor yet. So, mm-hmm. um, or as much as it's going to be in August and September. So I, there, yeah, it's just impossible to say, but, uh, PJ's other question here, I think is a fun one and kind of brings our, uh, discussion here full circle he's asking who wins more games next week the bucks or the brewers so the brewers have what three against uh arizona and then i think three against colorado but at home and the rockies are like five and 23 on the road this year or something insane like Mm -hmm. that so uh and i how many games do the Bucks even have scheduled in the next week? For I was going to say the numbers on the brewers side right right yeah 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 you you would hope that the Brewers could get like two or three wins, right? And that would just win the question anyway, because the Bucks aren't gonna have three games in the in the next week. So uh Ryan, what's your pick? Bucks or Brewers most wins? Yeah, the Brewers. The this is the dregs <laughs> of the NL that they're playing. Like these are tr- truly probably two of the three worst teams, along with the Pirates, right? They're playing yeah. the absolute dregs of the league. You would really hope that they would they would be able to do something. Right. Yeah. So, and, and yeah, like Steve, like you said, like just based on numbers, you sure as hell hope that uh, hopefully the Brewers can take that because they yeah, just the, have the Brewers might not even have to go 500 to have more wins in the week. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Uh, well, one thing that might help them in the next week is Colton Wong, obviously back and healthy, uh, activated over the weekend, right? And he's hitting well already. So I guess, Ryan, does that. You know, does that give you some hope going forward that maybe they can snap out of this funk? Because like I said, a a lot of this recent funk and the May funk really was Colton Wong and Lorenzo Cain being hurt. So now that he's back, does that kind of bolster things in your mind? I think it does. I think we're starting to see a more lengthened lineup now that you can put Urias down in like the seven spot. And that really gives you a length to the lineup that we didn't have before. And yeah, so fingers crossed that they can keep doing that, but they're still short in a few areas, which we'll we'll get to and we'll talk about, I'm sure. Yeah, uh, I guess, Steve, uh, Colton Wong being back, how much does that help? 
Well, yeah, like Ryan was saying, it lengthens the lineup. You know, the more you can get Urias, I think, playing third base uh, just to kind of cover that a little bit more. Because, you know, he's been hitting relatively well since, you know, the Adamas trade. Yeah. So as far as like a bat in the lineup, um, you know, he's legitimate to keep in there every day. So, you know, if if penciling him in every day means he's covering third base and getting a, a subpar bat out of the lineup there, obviously that's going to help out quite a bit. So, I, you know, I think we're starting to see a lineup that can legitimately put up runs, even if they, I mean, they kind of did later in the weekend. <laughs> you know, obviously the middle of the week was a struggle. Um, but like you said, Wong wasn't back yet at that point. So, um, yeah, I think we're we're kind of starting to see hopefully the lineup that they can ride for most of the summer. And um, I, they're never going to be, you know, world beaters as far as driving runs across the plate. But I think that it, it's one that with the, the quality of pitching they have, um, I think they can be pretty formidable, you know, coming up this summer. Yeah, and right. if you look at like Big Dan right now, he last I looked had a three forty eight on base percentage against right handed pitching. So yeah. if you have that slowly turning it around, yeah, like that, yeah, three forty eight in this environment. The last I looked, the on base percentage, the league on base percentage was like under three ten. So three forty eight, you're doing pretty good. Like it's not outstanding, yeah. it's not great, but and they do have some other guys who are doing an excellent job of getting on base. Uh, what is your opinion? Because right now, there are two guys who are on basing over 400 are hitting third in Yelich and fifth most days in Narvaez. Is that too low for those guys with those on base percentages? Does that need to get further up the lineup? You know, I mean, Yelich had, had batted second for quite a while for the Brewers. So, I, I mean, I don't know if playing the left-right game with uh, – you know, since they've been leading off with Wong makes that much of a difference. Um, so, I mean, if they want to get him up and then Narvaez is such a weird profile because he's hitting for a pretty high average. He's not a big power hitter. I don't know, but he's a catcher. Like you don't want him high in the lineup. Like you just don't want that on the bases. Yeah. You just also, he really doesn't have the speed. And this is, it occurred to me today when we saw, uh, Oh, the new guy, um, that Fred, no, who's the new outfielder? Jared Fisher. Fisher, thank you. Uh, that he really has some wheels. Like he motored around the bases on that triple, and then coming home on the uh, the bunt, he really can move. Most of the guys on this team can really run now. You think about it, really. Like who are the slow runners on this team? It's Big Dan, and it's you. the catchers. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, but honestly, other than that, right. everybody else is at least plus as far as a runner. Yeah. It, like yeah. and some of them plus plus so they should be pretty good at at running the bases i don't know it's it's an interesting thing because i saw some discussion this week about why is vogelbach hitting second in the lineup and that there's some feeling at uh, tim young was saying on twitter that it seems to be because he, uh council likes the idea that he can then uh use that to flip him to the other side uh platoon wise in the late innings, but they don't really have a good platoon bat for him right now. I think the other day when they did that, it was Manny Pena who came in. So I guess that's a little, a little sketchy though. You do like to see, I think if you, if you start with Wong and Yelich, those are two lefties who don't have massive platoon splits. In fact, Yelich is a backward platoon split, right? 
Paul always talks about that. Yeah, yeah. At least recently he does, yeah. So if a, if a team wants to bring in a lefty reliever, a lefty specialist to face Wong and then a pinch hitter and then Yelich, that actually does set up pretty well for the Brewers. They don't mind that at all. And it can kind of force a, uh, another manager's hand into, into doing something. And then early in the game, obviously, you're taking advantage of having a bunch of lefties stacked up there. So, right. yeah, it's it's interesting to see how Council does this stuff and decides to deploy guys. Yeah, absolutely. And in the meantime, you know, like Steve said, they're starting to score a little bit more runs, especially with Wong back. And, you know, like Paul always says, too, when you get some of these guys off the injured list, you're effectively taking the worst bats out of the lineup, too. So you kind of improve doubly there, too. So uh, it's definitely good to see. Uh, I guess the other discussion point from the weekend, and I actually didn't put the rundown together this week. Ryan did. But the next item on this list is Eric is Eric Lauer shitty. So uh, I, I enjoy this line of conversation. So, you know, Lauer actually uh, maybe kind of impressed, at least in the early parts of his start, and then kind of fell apart real quickly there uh, as part of that sixth inning where they coughed up that that big lead. So, Ryan, I presume you have thoughts on this since you put this down on the rundown. <laughs> I Is did. Eric Lauer shitty? Well, I, I have to say that I was I was going to compliment Ryan because he had been, you know, banging the drum for Lauer and he had been pitching well, and then the sixth inning happened. I'm glad I didn't write anything. So there's nothing documented that he can come back and throw to my face. So no, yeah, we can we can probably stick with medi- shitty to maybe mediocre. I, I did uh, start drafting a tweet about Eric Lauer. Uh, I was going to crow about him having five strong innings there. Oh boy. And uh, then I decided not to send it because I didn't want to jinx it. And then it happened anyway. So apparently uh, I don't even have to send the tweet to jinx it. I just have to start writing it for that to happen. But no, he had a really good start today. Uh, Coors Field is not an easy place to pitch. And he did a good job the first two times through the lineup. He had 10 straight outs at one point. And when he did actually get hit, it was, you know, he gives up a seeing eye single uh, to Tapia, who what a pain in the ass. And Steve, I, I'm sorry that we dropped him in our fantasy <laughs> league. We should have dropped him. Uh, that was a mistake on my part, I think. Maybe it was both of us. I don't know. Um, but yeah. And then, uh, you know, just back to back homers, one of them from Trevor Story, who, yeah, Trevor Story is going to get you for some home runs. And I don't know, Daz is having a, a decent season, at least, I think. So I don't know. It. I think that he did a great job. And then pushing him the third time through the order was just too far and it didn't work out. And then unfortunately you know, they had godly in after that. And he also, then he gave up a, a very legitimate home run with the two run shot. But the, uh, that the one that got popped out to tie the game was not, that was a Coors field one par excellence. But anyway, Lauer's whole situation And this is just very, very strange. You look at his home run. This is all about home runs. His entire season, he's very good except for the home runs. And you look at his history with this home run to fly ball ratio or percentage. And in 2018, it was 12%. In 2019, it was 12%. With 12.7 and then 11.7 and then 11.8 last year. Now this year, his home run to fly ball ratio or uh, percentage is 29.6. So you tell me if that's an outlier or not. It sure looks like an outlier to me. 
He should have started using the sticky stuff. Well, now it's too late. <laughs> Way to go. You're just jumping right ahead on the, the countdown. But <laughs> there is something going on with the home runs here where he is giving up too hard a contact. Mm-hmm. And we've seen this before with Burns, where the guys do sometimes give up too much hard contact. But home runs in and of themselves are like they're a pretty discreet event and it takes sort of everything uh, kind of aligning to have it happen. So you go through streaks where you give up maybe more than you would expect. And then you go through streaks where you'd give up less. So I don't think that he is by any means bad. The, the liability here is obviously that he, he gives up the long ball, but he should be able to get that into something much more under control and if he can bring that home run to fly ball uh, percentage down, then you're looking at a pretty good pitcher because other than that, the rest of the numbers are really quite good. So there's really nothing to complain about elsewhere in his profile. Ryan's still fighting for Dave Bush. <laughs> I am. That this is, this is the same damn argument that we had with Dave Bush literally 15 years ago. It's insane. No. it. I think I had said uh, – prior to uh, this start by Eric Lauer, because his last start where it, it, it felt very Doug Davisy, where it's like pure hell and torture to get through the two hours he's making that start. But then <laughs> you look at the line at the end of the game, and you're like, eh, I guess that could have been worse. And then you kind of move on. Right. I mean, that's, he's the definition of a back end rotation guy right now. Well, so, that's, I mean, that's late Doug player. Davis. You're talking about early Doug Davis was a pretty good pitcher for those first early years. Yeah, we're not talking 200 strikeout season Doug Davis here. We're talking, yeah, latter era and the return Doug Davis. So <laughs> The return of Doug Davis. The return, yeah. So I don't know. Uh, Steve, is Eric Lauer shitty? I know you like to give Ryan shit for, you know, uh, sticking up for Eric Lauer and then not uh, backing it up by picking up, up in fantasy, but... Yeah, Ryan did do that. Ryan did do that. He he streams every pitcher available, and he never picks up Eric Lauer. Oh, he did it once, and we got burned hard. <laughs> um, and then yeah, he hasn't done it since. So all this big talk hasn't turned into action from him. Uh, but I mean, you need arms, and we've seen the Brewers turn guys around. So I'll complain about him while he's not pitching well, but uh, <laughs> I'll jump on the bandwagon the moment he figures it out. <laughs> I mean, I'd much rather have him starting than Zach Godley. I'll say that. So, I mean, there's at least something to dream about there. Zach Godley is just kind of meh to me, but yeah, Godley should. Yeah, he's been very good in Triple (laughs) A. He should. He's like thirty. Well, yeah, (laughs) he should be good at Triple A. I I don't go to the Triple A games. I'm not waiting for a Triple A championship. I I want the Brewers to do well. So, yeah, if he's crappy in Milwaukee, that's a crappy pitcher. Take your Zach Godly love to the minor league extra, okay? Like, keep it up. <laughs> I <spot>. did. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I guess uh, the the big league-wide story and the thing to look forward to in the next week oh, is... Oh, uh, God help us. God help us. Tomorrow's going to be the longest day ever on, on baseball Twitter, isn't it? It's it's sticky mm-hmm. stuff crackdown day on Monday. Uh, so, obviously, the, the umpers are set to begin enforcing the rules that have been written, and they're actually going to start enforcing them on Monday. Um, you know, they might be checking guys as they walk off the field and, and who knows what fun and hilarity on Twitter leads to after that. But I guess, first of all, how do you think this is going to go overall, Steve? Is this going to be a giant cluster or is this going to 
I mean, is there any way baseball doesn't screw this up? God, I, I mean, at this point, I don't know because, uh, you know, are they going to overreact and check everybody or with the reactions they've got? Are they just going to like basically say unless something's completely out of control, we're still going to just be hands off? I have no idea how this is going to work, um, but I, you know, I, I think banning everything is probably the right call. You know, I know people are like, oh, they should have something that's approved. Well, I'm like, well, there's nothing that is approved right now. And I think if you're going to do this in the season, you just have to get rid of all of it. So that way, if umpires see anything, they can enforce the rules. And I don't think that's a bad thing. Um, again, you know, there's all the talk about how far ahead the pitchers are. Um, of the, of the batters, offense is way down because of that. Um, you know, and then there's also a lot of talk about just the fact that um, – the, the research that goes into pitching is so much better than it is for hitting. So they have the advantage of that, that scientific backing of how to create a better pitcher, basically, that hitters can't do in the same way. And then you're giving them an advantage with the equipment, with all the sticky stuff. You know, if the pitchers have to kind of take some lumps because that gets taken away from them, like, I get it. Like, you know, a change in the season isn't ideal, but, um, you know... I, there's never been a time where it, it's been like, oh, it is legal to just put whatever you want on the ball. Yep. Like, I, I, I don't know of a time that that's, that's been true where, like, it all of a sudden was, like, perfectly legal other than they were turning a blind eye to what was currently going on. Um, so I think pitchers need to just deal with it at this point because, again, hitters are certainly taking the brunt of it right now with, with what they've been able to get away with. Um, and... I mean, the other thing is pitchers always complain. They are the worst. <laughs> they are seriously the worst. You pitched, Steve. You pitched. I did. <laughs> they need to have their certain number. They need the rest. They need the routine. Yeah. You know, some of Cream them, they yeah. yeah, they won't talk to reporters the day they start, or <laughs> that will be the only day they talk to reporters. And they have all the, you know, just shut up and throw, like you throw the ball. It is not that complicated. <laughs> you catch the ball, you throw the ball. That's it. Like, stop <laughs> complaining, do your job, and you just don't get to grease up the – not greased up anymore, I guess. <laughs> no, this is not the era of uh, Eddie no. Harris. Have you guys ever Eddie seen Harris the uh, – on the shoulder. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Have you guys ever seen the movie It Happens Every Spring? I haven't. In no. like the 1940s, there was this guy. He was a – he was like a – Princeton professor. This was the setup for the movie. And he came up with some uh, uh, substance that he was able to put on the ball and it it repelled wood. So every time he'd pitch, and again, this was made in the 40s, so like imagine the the way that they would do these special effects. Uh, well, like they they'd swing and and the ball would like hop over the bat or drop below the bat, and then like Go so back on. Bunny cartoon, I was yeah. gonna say so some Bugs Bunny shit, basically. Right? It was. It was. It's a terrible movie, and my dad used to make us watch it. Uh, <laughs> Sounds like an did. awesome movie. We might and have to do you, like a watch along for this. Movie. And I think you can find it on like archive. It's like a public uh, domain movie now. So Library yeah. of well, Congress. Or oh whatever. yeah. So nobody's been keeping up the copyright on that one. <laughs> nobody has. So I'm gonna remake it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna update it, remake it. So, uh, yeah, you know, I, I think it's always been a dream of pitchers and they finally got to that point and everybody said, no, stop. Okay. We gotta, we gotta bring the game back in. So I'm okay with it. I don't know how their enforcement's going to go, but they got to do something. Yeah. So there are some problems. One, 
Hey, I didn't say it was perfect. Yeah, no, no, no. And I generally agree with you. I wanted them to do something. I think you've listened. You you know that I want them to do something. But the, there are some problems here. The one, I think the biggest issue here is that rosin is legal. Sunscreen is legal. Together, they are illegal. Good luck trying to figure that shit out. Like, that's going to be something that umpires and how are you going to determine whether or not they were. That one's been around forever. Like, so if players kind of get away with that, uh, you know. Yeah. But it's supposed to be even, it's supposed, it's supposed to be against to be the rules. It is. And they're well, and they're saying that they're going to enforce for that. I don't know how well they're going to enforce for it. Yeah. Good luck enforcing that in L.A. for an afternoon game when it's 95 degrees outside. That's, right. Yeah. Well, and good luck. <laughs> like you're not going to let pitchers wear sunscreen. I mean, technically, they yeah. are going to be able to wear sunscreen. So I there's going to be some issues with that. It's going to be that's going to be a problem. Um, and then I think. We talked about it before we started here a little bit, the issue with injury and Tyler Glass, now the Rays pitcher, did say that he thinks that his partial tear that he has in his UCL uh, is related to his last start where he was gripping the ball harder. And by putting more grip on the ball, that puts more stress on the elbow. And that's actually been a thing that has been studied. And that is true. That is that is factually that's known to be the case. But the problem is that really this whole thing is designed to get you to throw less hard, right? That's part of the the thing here is, yeah, they don't want you loading up the ball with all kinds of sticky stuff so that you can get a perfect grip and spin off these massive breakers and have pinpoint command. They want you to throw less hard. Bob Gibson used to grip the ball so hard that he used to leave his fingerprints in it. I, I've heard that legend. I don't know how so, exactly that would work. <laughs> well, I think the ball also wasn't spun as tight back then. Because I remember like actually when, when ball, that came yeah. up, they were talking about, you know, the Super Bowls or whatever they're using, you know, in the current game. Uh, and he he would try to do a grip on that. And I think part of it was age, Bob, as to why you couldn't get your fingers to, to dent the ball. But the ball was harder. So, I mean, again, when you talk about the ball, you know, if pitchers need that grip, that's something to look at as well. Is it strung too tight? Did you just lecture a dead man? All right. I did. Yeah. <laughs> I think he did. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he was okay. like 80 years old and talking about how he couldn't put his uh, the the fingerprints in the ball anymore. I mean, he was a badass. I wouldn't mess with him. But, you know, again, you know, age is going to catch you at some point. So uh, I'm sorry. Uh, it does for all of us. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Uh, we do have some Patreon questions on the sticky stuff talk too. Uh, Philip Schumacher had some questions last week. He's got some follow up this week. Uh, so he's asking, uh, following up on his question about last his last week's question about organizations encouraging use of sticky stuff by pitchers. He's asking if an organization is found to have encouraged use of substances, should they also be sanctioned by MLB? If so, what should the sanction be? It seems unfair that a pitcher suspended 10 games while the organization that encourages or even taught the practice gets off scot-free. This is an interesting philosophical discussion, I guess. But I, Ryan, how the hell would you prove this in the first place, I guess? Well, first off, the organizations aren't getting off scot-free. Uh, one of the parts of this that is going to really be a, a deterrent to doing it is that when a player is suspended, they're not allowed to be replaced on the roster. 
Mm. So if you get suspended for this stuff, you leave your t- your team down a pitcher for the next ten days. Yeah, pitcher pitcher takes a financial hit. The team just has no. To deal it's with a it's a, a paid suspension. Oh, it is a paid. It's, it's a paid, paid suspension. Yeah, yeah. So the 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 pitcher gets a break, but the team then is down a pitcher for that time period. It'll be interesting to see how the, exactly that works. If you have a team get you know a couple guys ejected in a game or something. What well, right. what is going to happen, or even like a team like the Brewers right now in a stretch of sixteen straight days of playing with no days off, like that would uh, throw a wrench in the plans there too. So, well, I think there's somebody down in AAA that could bring up to bolster the the pen, right? Yeah, yeah. Three multiple maybe positions, a, a two two way player. Yeah, maybe waiting in the wings. <laughs> oh, I thought you guys were talking about Aaron Ashby, but you're you're talking no, about no, Steve's no. crush. Yeah, yeah exactly. So yeah, you, know, you just bring yeah you bring up Hernan, and then that way you're covered. You got an extra extra arm to send out there. So there you go. On Monday night, the Brewers don't play until eight forty. Correct? That's that weird Arizona start time thing. Yeah, yeah. Time zones are weird in Arizona. Yeah. yeah so they're gonna have two and a half hours from the first games starting on Monday night. Uh, I would imagine they're gonna be watching really closely to see what's happening elsewhere in baseball, <laughs> because. Yeah. Uh, the first teams that go out and play, it is going to be very, very interesting. In fact, there was a really shitty tweet from Buster Only this week about. Uh, Are there any other kinds from? Yeah, him? I mean, this was this was particularly egregious. I don't know if you Buster saw Only it. is the Chuck Todd of baseball. Oh, he's so bad. <laughs> this was this was really particularly awful. He basically uh, he said uh, that Degrom. We were going to find out with Degrom on the mound on Monday. Uh, what you know? What the effects of this are, and really, what it was is just the Mets will be among the first teams to start, and Degrom was scheduled to start at that point. He won't be because he got hurt. But convenient, convenient. Time. Ah, yeah. yes, tinfoil hat time. Hey, it is a time honored tradition in baseball to uh, go after some of the best players in the game and and try to prove that they're actually shitty, and we yeah. shouldn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, there was it was pure speculation on Olney's part, and it had no basis in any sort of rumor or whatever conjecture that Degrom was using this stuff. It was just basically, oh, he'll be one of the first players to do this. So there you go. And so it was just purely trolling for reactions. And uh, yeah, so really, really bad on Olney's part. Um, I guess getting back to Philip's question here for a second, maybe the spirit of the question is more. Uh, do you think like if it's institutional, like say a Astros or Red Sox cheating scandal and they could prove that, I guess, what should the punishment there be? Well, every team has been encouraging their guys to use substances in that's the last the problem, couple of right? years, right? Yeah. Like that's the that's the thing. If you're talking about from now on, yeah, will a team encourage pitchers to use stuff? I don't see how, given the penalty for them is gonna be to decimate their pitching staff. <laughs> So and the player gets paid. So I don't see how that would be an issue really going forward, going backward. Well, there's no backwards enforcement. So who cares? <laughs> so I don't I don't think it's really an issue. OK, uh, second sticky stuff question comes from Devin Bearwolf on Patreon. He's wondering if any of you Trevor Bauer haters have watched or listened to his opinion on sticky substances and the way the league is going about enforcing it what the league got right and what the league got wrong. If you haven't, you should. It's very informative. Does Trevor so, Bauer have opinions? It's not. 
It's not informative. <laughs> go, go ahead, I Steve. No, I was curious. I was looking it up, and he he wanted. Here, here's a quote from him. He's talking about how they should prep the balls. He said that Major League Baseball should create a machine. When the balls come out of the box, they run down a conveyor belt into a little house. So we have a guy who clearly has an engineering background. Little ball house. Yeah. Create, create a machine that goes into a house. Uh, it's sprayed from all sides with a certain approved substance, whether it's firm grip or whatever else. Let us agree upon the substance. Like, okay, I'm glad he thought that out. Uh, the ball comes out the other end. It gets dumped into a bucket. It's good to go for 20 to 30 minutes. So apparently whatever it is that goes on the ball, like... You need know. these ball machines in the stadium then? I don't know. We got, you know, freaking Tony Stark over here trying to create <laughs> So this is like those tech bro things where it's like, oh, congratulations, tech bro. You just invented roommates or, you know, the taxi. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> because in Japan and Korea, they've actually been using a tackier ball for like the last year so that players won't want to put anything on it because it's just tackier. MLB could do this in a heartbeat. They could manufacture yeah. them this way because, again, MLB owns the company that makes the baseballs, Rawlings, right? They MLB owns the company. So they could do this in a heartbeat. They're not. And I did put this out on Twitter this week, by the way. Do you know what they do rub the baseballs down with? I, I do not. Trevor, Trevor Bauer's tears. No, they rub them down. There's a great article from Emma Bachelary in Sports Illustrated. I tweeted it last week. Um, about this. It's a guy in New Jersey who goes to his local creek with <laughs> buckets. No. And he, he goes on, to his local be real. I I should you not. He goes to his local creek with buckets. He fills up the buckets. There's a picture in my go look at my my timeline right now. Um the, he goes and fills up the buckets with with mud, takes him home to his garage, lets him sit there for a while. Him and his wife then curate the mud and uh they slap some labels on it and mail it off to MLB and then it's it becomes the mud that goes on the balls. Seriously, it's it's some mud from this guy's backyard in New Jersey. That's the scientific process. That seems about as good as Trevor Bauer's idea, if I'm being yeah. honest. So there you go. Oh, yeah. he, by the way, he also wants to uh, swab pitchers' hands. <laughs> what? Oh, yeah. He he wants the little, the little, little wet, wet naps, right? Yeah. Something like that. I don't know. Okay. So to, to get to his actual question here, well, the premise was bad because he said Bauer had some, uh, what was this? <laughs> that was informative. That's fine. Trevor Bauer is about pitching a thoughtful, interesting person um, when it comes to the act of pitching. The problem is he's also incredibly obnoxious and awful. He's and the Elon Musk of pitchers. So yes, there you go. He's yeah. just horrible. And listening to him talk is just like nails on a chalkboard because he he has this thing where he thinks he's way, way smarter than he actually is. So, um, yeah, he is just like there's there's insight that you can glean from him on things. And he, there are interesting things about him, but he offsets it with so much crap that just it, it makes him just intolerable. My favorite conspiracy corner theory about all of this is from the New York folks who are like, Trevor Bauer still hates Garrett Cole, and this is him trying to uh, make Garrett Cole suck. And th this is just the two-person vendetta between them and and nothing else. And I don't, I don't know. But both of those people are insufferable, so whatever. Is that from Yankees Twitter? Yeah. 
Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It's uh, the John Boy corner of the uh, internet. Uh, not, a, not a place you want to go. Uh, no, it is not. All right. We have more Patreon questions. Uh, focus more on the brewers. Uh, so Jay Google, of course, asking. He's not the uh, he's not the first question, Steve. So sorry, but Jay Google is asking: At what point does the front office have to make a move to get a couple more of the sixth and seventh inning guys? So Steve, you were saying that that middle relief is looking a little shaky. At what point does do they have to do something about this? I mean, they're kind of always making moves for this, aren't they? Between uh, you know guys that they're shuttling from AAA to the to the majors, and then I think it's one of those things where they're always going to be on the lookout to to make a deal for arms. So um, you know, I th- I think they're just kind of always looking for that uh, that guy they can bring in if they they can't find the the solution in house. Um, you know, it's acquire as many guys as possible and see what sticks. You know, and it was unfortunate that they had to get rid of some of that depth to get Adamus, but I, at this point, it's been worth it. Right. Like that, that trade's totally been worth it. You know, even though you're not going to be able to get something for nothing, obviously. Yeah. You know, I mean, they that, gave something yeah. up to get Adamus, but it was worth it. That deal kind of saved the offense there at the time it needed it. So I think it was worth a sacrifice. But save the clubhouse. He seems to be a great clubhouse guy, right? Yeah. Yeah. You say that like it, with a little bit of a sneer, but you shouldn't because he's <laughs> awesome. It's probably because they ran the numbers in the, the front office. Mm. They figured out a way to quantify it, right? The Oakland A's were actually doing that like a decade ago. They have a machine. Personality <laughs> tests and stuff. And everybody takes your Myers-Briggs test and you need to at least be, you know, a certain level to be a Milwaukee Brewer. It's like the aptitude test that they give on the Simpsons and then send to yes. Iowa, <laughs> the <laughs> Iowa non-international airport. <laughs> All right. I mean, uh, so Ryan, I mean, oh, the answer to this question, it, it may be. Yeah. To get this back on the rails. I mean, they've tried like they added Hunter Strickland in the last week or so. Is that kind of going to cut it or uh, do you do you need something more quality there? to stabilize those middle innings. Well, no, I think the question that Jay asked was, when do they need to do something about this? Yeah. July 30th. They need to do something by July 30th. Well, I think that's when you're going out to try to get that, like, legitimate, you know, stopper type. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you're not just getting guys to fill the sixth and seventh inning roles. You're basically, hey, let's go get a ringer to basically have, like, two to three closers on the team. Maybe. Or they'll try to create their own ringer like they did with Drew Pomerantz. Or sure. actually, Anthony Swarzak the year before, or two years before. Hey, he just popped up again in the news. Did his wife do something bad again? No, he just—I don't know. Somebody picked him up. I think oh, that was okay. Because <laughs> his wife has done lots of bad things on social media. It was boring, but I thought, like, oh, now the Mariners can start a podcast. Because <laughs> <laughs> that was literally like the first thing we talked about. Wait, <laughs> could Swarzak be headed to the Cubs? Because I want to see Anthony Swarzak's wife hang out with Casey Sogard. That would be uh, awesome. It wasn't the Cubs. <laughs> All right, moving on. Uh, Vinny Cornels is asking Do you think they're going to try Urias at third base permanently and try to Kansas make a City. deal at the deadline? Kansas <laughs> City. Oh, uh, God. There we go. Oh, what was that question? We got another uh, Steve, Luis Urias, third base permanently, or do they try to make a deal at the deadline? Um, I 
permanent for the season. I mean, I guess I could see it going beyond that as well. I, you know, I think when first base is kind of your position on the diamond right now that needs the upgrade, um, you know, unless they can really, you know, maneuver something to, to fill multiple spots. Uh, no, I think Urias is um, the more permanent third base solution uh, right now. Um, especially as long as there aren't any other injuries. I mean, we always say that, and it's like, you know, then somebody gets hurt. Hopefully, Hira puts it together, and maybe that would be a way to just get more depth. Um, but, yeah, I think, you know, uh, if they're trying to plug a hole, it's going to be first base before it's third. Because I think Urias can, like, at least kind of hold up his end of the bargain there. Yeah, I agree. They need right-handed power, and they need it on the infield corners. But that doesn't mean that Urias has to lose that much playing time because a lot of it could come at first base. So we talked, I know, this week about C.J. Cron a lot because he was absolutely murdering the Brewers all weekend. And C.J. Cron would be an excellent addition to this team. He would fit a lot of their needs. The one thing you don't love about Cron is he's not a third baseman. He can't flip over there if you need him there. But, yeah, he would be great to pair with Vogelbach at first base. Also, probably wouldn't cost that much because he's CJ freaking Cron. So there you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they have on like a minor league deal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. All right, uh, another trade question. Jay Google again. Six weeks away from the trade deadline, Brewers have some needs. What one trade would you like them to make? So Ryan, do you have anybody on your wish list? I guess CJ Cron would be one. But aside from him, do you have anybody else you'd like to see the Brewers target? I mean, if you could get everything together and get Trevor Story to want to come over and play third base, that would be fine. But again, I don't know that they're actually going to trade Trevor Story because they're the Rockies and they're idiots. <laughs> so I think, yeah, Kron is is a guy that makes a lot of sense. I don't know. Who are the, the big-time relief arms? I, I would say um, get uh, the guy from Pittsburgh, the closer from Pittsburgh, uh, Rodriguez. But Pittsburgh doesn't like to deal guys in the division, and I kind of get that. So I mean, they've done it with the Brewers a couple of times. I'm lo- I'm looking at the top forty trade candidates on uh, trade rumors, and I think like three or four of the guys are pitchers for uh, the Pirates right now. <laughs> Who are the other ones besides Rodriguez? Uh, well, John Gray is the top guy they have on the list. Interesting. So I'd be dealing with Colorado. I think the uh, Brewers have been interested in him for a while. I wouldn't be shocked to see Gray maybe end up in Milwaukee. But yeah, I then that would happen this year. Yeah, they have Matthew Boyd for the Tigers, Tyler Anderson's Pirates, Adam Frazier. Mm. Obviously not a pitcher, but utility second outfield utility guy. Yeah, but, but he yeah. doesn't really fit their needs. No. Uh, and then Richard Rodriguez, so. Because really, more than anything, you sent me that article this week, Steve, about uh, the Brewers being a team that you don't mind streaming lefties against because they don't have right-handed power. So the Brewers really do need to improve their right-handed power because most of their power is left-handed. Yep. Especially with Hira out of the fold. You know, Mm -hmm. he was kind of counted on as that guy. And if that's not a thing... They kind of need to look. Yeah, I mean, behind Avi Garcia, who's their second best right-handed power hitter that's on the roster right now? Because it's not Kane, because he's not there. I guess it would be Urias, right? Urias is Urias, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, he he actually has. Does he have nine home runs now? Manny Pena, Uh, Tyrone Taylor when he was healthy. Yeah, 
Yeah, <laughs> that's that's a sad list. So, yeah, I, I think you could just generally put right handed power and screw it, figure out the position later. I mean, they're kind of at that point, uh, you know, maybe they'll trade for Jonathan Scope again. That worked out so well the last time. I saw a lot of people complaining about that because the rumor came up this week about that. <laughs> and come on, like put them at first base. What whatever. is the chance okay. that you're going to see another repeat of the same thing? I know everybody like no. we've been talking this about this so K-Ron many times. And Doug Melvin. Yeah, no, it's... we've talked about this so many times with like uh, Brad Miller. Brewers fans are convinced that Brad Miller's the worst player in the world. And yet, like everywhere else he's been, he's been a very good hitter. So. Yeah, right. just because what's happened here doesn't totally define a player. I mean, yeah, but also in John Scope's defense, he was never the super duper star people kind of expected him to be, right? He had a hot first half that year, but like historically, he he's kind of been always streaky. So you were going oh, to get a very streaky, yeah. yeah. You were so. hoping to get a hot streak and you didn't. <laughs> exactly. Well, he didn't seem to really mesh with the club either. That was the impression that I always got from all of that. Well, so. no. he I think he felt incredible pressure. He was he felt yeah. like crap about the whole situation. Sure. And, yeah. and the thing is, the Brewers, we know more than anything, they are willing to get very creative. See the Mike Moustakis edition in 2018. Like he didn't really have a fit anywhere on the roster. And yet they brought him in and he was great for them. He was really important to that team. So they'll do something creative that you don't expect. Because they always do. <laughs> right. Uh, I guess kind of continuing on the, the trade thing and kind of probably what we've identified as the biggest need. Uh, Darren Jones is asking, the Brewers have had a different opening day first baseman every year since 2011, uh, which is insane. Uh, saying, so his first question is, how many of those 11 first basemen can you name? This seems like a fun game. Steve. How many of the 11 could you name? <laughs> yeah, well, and here's the thing. Um, I was like, oh, I'll probably get the following year. That'll be easy because uh, Corey Hart played first base for the Brewers mostly in 2012. And Matt Gamble opening day starter there. was yep. the opening day starter in 12. So I was <laughs> like, well, I'm already off to a bad start. And then, you know, th- the other names. Wasn't Hart the opening day thir- first baseman in 2013? Who no. Won? Or was it Alex? I no. didn't. I didn't. Alex, I thought we were actually playing. No. It was Seabass. Oh my god! Yeah, Corey Hart only played one season with the Brewers after Prince Fielder, so that was the only season he played for space for him. Yep. Yeah, because he got hurt yeah. in thirteen, right? And then yeah. yeah, and then he was gone. Um, yeah, so it was Gamble, and then it was Gonzalez, and then the the really weird <laughs> oh, one, man. Wild Overbay. The return of Overbay in mm. twenty fourteen. Well, and then there's. I, Adam Lind is in there, right? That's yeah, then 15. it was yep. Lind, uh, Carter. Carter. Oh yeah, 16. yeah. The Chris Carter. home run yeah. champ, Carter Chris Carter. Yeah, home run, home run to DFA, home run champ to DFA. Yep. Twenty um, seventeen. Yeah, Eric Thames. Yep. And then I think probably the best year for starting first baseman was twenty eighteen. Uh, Jesus. <laughs> no. Yeah. Ryan Opening Braun. Starter was Ryan Braun. Oh, Braun was the opening day starter. I guess Aguiar's best season was 17, right? Uh, no, I think it was 18, but he 18. took over. He took over he, he for Thames. Yeah, was he, year, like, he didn't really play the first month or so, and then he got hot. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, 
he and then he was the opening day starter in 19 and then of course last year uh the justin smoke experience so that was fun so you kids are big on the gram what do you take from the uh ryan braun uh wife uh video posts anything does it mean <laughs> something to you uh no i don't think so until there's a D we've talked about this, right? Like until there's, a, he has no interest in playing defense. So unless like the freaking angels call him up and say, come DH when Shohei is not DHing, I don't think he's no. I don't follow players even on Twitter. Generally generally don't follow their wives. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you've seen the videos though, right? They're out there. I think it eventually ended up in a timeline for me somewhere. <laughs> what was he doing? Hitting? Yeah, was he, he was hitting. Like, it was like he yeah. another like shave club commercial. No, <laughs> no, he's not selling t-shirts either. Um, no, the last one I saw was a couple of weeks ago where he was taking swings on some like shitty softball diamond in Southern California, hit a home run. He was like, ah, oh, still got it. So, yeah, I thought he lived in like a nicer place than what that field looked like, to be honest. <laughs> like, I just feel like he's slumming it a little bit. Well, you know, it is it is basically a desert in a drought right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, right. oh, is, I thought he lived up in green green grass for miles. No, <laughs> they're just hoping it's not on fire at this point. That's, in his gated community, <laughs> they still water their lawns, but they're not taking care of the baseball field. Yeah, there you go. All right. Uh, so there was a, a second half of this question from Darren Jones. He's asking, what can the Brewers do to find more consistency at first base over the next decade? Get a better first baseman. That would be a start. <laughs> yeah, I don't I Hira gets his stuff together. I mean, that would ultimately be the thing that would do it, because that would be a bat that you'd like legitimately say, oh, we're expecting this guy to be in our lineup, you know, for the next five seasons. I just don't think they're ever going to make this a huge priority. Because they right. don't, they don't draft. Like I would be stunned if you saw them draft like a a guy who is like a primary first baseman, somebody like no. a first baseman to the future in the first round or even the second round. Like that's just not how they do things. They draft up the middle. Yeah, they draft they draft uh, college guys. They draft up the middle, and they draft tools. Like that's does, not I mean, what they're does, about. Does Yelich end up at first base? Later in this back end of that uh, contract, maybe that contract, yeah, I, probably, yeah. I mean, that would that would right, make a be a sense. DH by then, so yeah, but maybe, but yeah, I mean, Ryan, you're right. I mean, obviously, the big part of this is like you go a decade without a solid first baseman because the organization just doesn't put an emphasis on it, right? Like, it's like in the NFL, teams not really caring about running backs, like, but you know, at least some of those teams at least find somebody who's worth a damn, I guess. But, you know, yeah, it's just not something that they prioritize as an organization. Like you said, they want defensive versatility. And unless a dude can play third base and corner outfield, too, they're probably not going to look at him. So so going back to just to make this point a little more crystal clear, like why don't the Brewers emphasize first base? Because it's really hard to get a one that is really, really good and really makes an impact over there. Let's use Prince Fielder as the example here. So Prince Fielder was the last big-time first baseman that the Brewers had. Here are his wars by baseball reference by year, starting in 2006 when he actually was on the team full-time because he was very little time in 2005. Mm -hmm. Um, 
In 2006, he was worth a negative 0.7 war. 3.6, He was yeah. never, other than that one year, that one great year in 2009, and I don't quite know why. It looks like some defensive weirdness. No, that yeah. was 2007. Uh, but he was never. And he had the weird, yeah, he had the weird alternate year thing going too, where he would, he was bad mm-hmm. in the even years, and yeah, exactly. So, mm-hmm. so it's it's I a mean, weird, weird thing with him, and it's just why it's hard to get a lot of value out of first base because there's a lot of guys out there that can hit that you can stick at first base, and the Brewers have done a relatively good job of this. We just named a bunch of the guys. They had a number of guys who could hit at first Mm -hmm. base and play there, but they didn't have to spend any money on any of them. So Mm -hmm. why would they want to go and spend big money on one unless it was sort of, as you mentioned, like moving Yelich there because you need someplace for him to play. That could make sense. But they're not going to go out and invest a bunch of money or draft capital, for that matter, in first base because it's just not a, a huge priority because they're just readily, plentifully av- available. So basically, they'll fill first base when every other position has a single credible starter that they don't need to replace at any point. That's basically it, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it yeah. is it is the last priority. So once every other position has a guy that they don't have to worry about, which, yeah, like that's never going to happen. Uh, I think that's when the mood of first base, unless somebody just falls in their lap. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it's a question of once the DH comes into play, maybe then they're willing to invest a little bit more in a corner slugger who can't really do anything other than hit because they know they also have DH to be able to play them at. You know what I mean? Because Craig Council really likes to use the lineup flexibly. And remember when they would have both Thames and Aguilar on Aguilar on the roster. It yeah. caused Eric Thames and right field and all that. Right. It caused yeah. some seriously weird matchup lineup issues. And so I think that maybe the DH coming in would be something that would allow them to maybe feel like they wanted to invest more at first base and just getting a pure slugger over there. Yeah. Well, that'll transition into speaking of pure sluggers in triple A, a certain someone is tearing the cover off the ball. PJ Wessels asked this question, and we saved it last just for Steve, I'm assuming. Uh, mm-hmm. he, says, <laughs> he says late because late edition. Uh, Hernan Perez slashing 363, 402, 952 in Nashville. Is he the next infielder called up, and why not? <laughs> They'll Steve. wait. They'll wait until uh, attendance slumps a little bit and they need to boost it, and then they'll make the call up and yeah. watch the jerseys fly off the rack as well. Right. Right. <laughs> Ryan. <laughs> well, I'm looking it up because last I heard, he was uh, playing for. I'm going to put the poster up behind me so you guys. Yeah. Can... Yeah. I mean, he, he was playing for uh, Venezuela. The Olympic trials, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he was. He was away for a while. Yeah, I'm looking at the game logs, and he has not played a... Oh, yep, he's back. <laughs> he was he was gone for a while. He was back, actually, as of June 8th. So he's okay. been back for a little while. So, yeah, Hernan Watch uh, is on, I guess. Hernan Watch 2021. Let's yeah. do it. 
Oh boy. I mean, I'd much rather. I I said this maybe a month ago. I'd much rather watch Arnon as your utility guy than friggin' Pablo Reyes, and he's gone now. So, I don't know. I I feel like Reyes kind of stepping it up maybe uh, has delayed the Arnon clock a little bit. But how do you feel about first base, Jace? <laughs> I mean, he get he gets on base, but man, if he's your first baseman a month <laughs> from now, that's. That's a little tricky. I mean, it does seem like they're using him as a late inning defensive replacement over there when yeah. they want to get Big Dan out of the lineup and that or out of the defensive alignment to be more accurate. So it it's something. He made a nice play over there today to take away an extra base hit down in the corner. So that was good. Yeah, I, I, I think Jace is as long as Jace is doing OK and getting on base, I don't think we see Aaron on. But, you know, it's it's always good to have the guy that, you know, down there re- ready and waiting. Right. So, uh, you know, maybe the next time Colton Wong gets hurt, we'll see him back up. Who knows? Uh, but yeah, Ernan watch officially on the way. Uh, reminder too, you can get question priority here in the podcast just by signing up to become a patron. You also get a shout out. We have a new patron this week. Ryan, do you care to announce our new patron? Yeah, and I'm going to have fun with this last name, too. So I believe it is Steve oh Johannes. Johannes. Uh, yeah, from a like a Flemish background, like a, a Netherlands uh, situation, maybe. Yeah. I think that's probably the derivation there. Yeah. Are, are you hoping he's another soccer fan? Oh, Send yes, you, that'd uh, be great. You, Steve, if you are, player. yeah. Send me a message, and especially if you're uh, a Netherlands fan, we can talk about uh, how awesome Virgil van Dijk is and how sad I am that uh, he missed the year and is now missing the Euros. Oh, my God. I Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm glad. I, we didn't, I didn't understand any of that. Nope. No. Yeah. It's about no, football. It, yeah. No. I, I'm out of, out of touch on the Bundesliga upkeep, so like I, I stopped paying attention to that probably the week after we got that question last year. So <laughs> so wait a second, though. Have you guys watched any of the Euros? Have you seen any of this? Uh, no. It I has been quite good, aside from the horrible thing that happened last Saturday, which was... Aside from the guy literally dying on the field and being resuscitated, mm-hmm. I have not seen that. And thing. he's he's doing fine. Christian Eriksen doing fine. Yeah. Apparently going to try to play. I don't mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Eh. If they like let idea. him, if they let him play, oh my God, no. <laughs> no. Listen, I Do mean, not. the only thing crazier than American football fans are European football fans. So there you go. I mean, we, we all know what happened to Hank Gathers. Like, don't, don't do that. That's just, oh, that's horrifying. All right. Uh, t- Steve Johannes probably doesn't even like soccer. So we're just wasting a bunch of time <laughs> on this. Uh, but Steve, thanks for signing up. We look forward to your questions. Uh, reminder for everybody else, if you're not a patron yet, that's patreon.com slash MKE tailgate two bucks a month for that question of priority. Five bucks also gets you uh, the minor league extra podcast, as well as the Packers reporting as eligible mini pods as we get closer to Packer season in Aaron Rodgers doomsday in a couple of months here. So thanks again, Steve. Uh, that'll wrap things up for this week. And thanks to Steve Garshinsky for stepping in for Paul this week and, and joining in. Uh, always fun having you on. And, you know, Paul is perpetually moving. So uh, we, we appreciate the guest spot. So thanks for spending your Sunday with us. Yeah, you get, you'll get you get smarter discussion again next week when Paul's back. <laughs> oh, and I'm gone. Huh? And Ryan's gone. So, oh, you know, man. yeah, yeah. Well, Paul and I will probably just nerd out next week. So that's there really going to be an upgrade. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Uh, but thanks again, Steve. And don't forget all of you to subscribe to the podcast, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, 
Overcast, Pocket Cast, anywhere else you listen to podcasts, hit the subscribe button. While you're there, please do leave us a review to help other people find us. Uh, in the meantime, hopefully the Brewers remember how to win in the next week against these uh, mediocre opponents. We'll recap that and all the sticky stuff news in the next week. Uh, next week on Milwaukee's Tailgate. Hope you all have a good week and stay well. Happy Wander Franco Day. Wander Franco Day. Yeah, so that, that, that popped up a while ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's coming. I just saw so, another message. So we're on past my phone. the Super Two deadline, then, is what you're yeah. saying. <laughs> we are past the Super Two deadline. We absolutely are, and this is staying <laughs> in the podcast. <laughs> uh, Wander, there goes Franco. Yeah, yeah. There you go. <laughs>